80% of the time people are on their phones and they're not talking or texting. They are watching short form videos. That's Instagram reels. That's TikTok. That's YouTube shorts. That is the type of video content that they are consuming. So if we're discussing the 80, 20 rule of like where to get that 80% return for 20% of the effort to me, if you're struggling or you have the resistance of, I can do no more, I'm exhausted, I'm tapped out, or everything I'm trying is not working, our recommendation is you go 100% in on short-form video and stop doing everything else. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. What does being sent by a spirit to a Fijian village, journalism, Miss Nevada, and TikTok have in common? My guest. Today, I'm sitting down with CEO of Attentioneers, Hillary Billing. Hillary has traveled quite a road that eventually led her to starting a business that helps other people create viral videos online. There's so much more into it, but Hillary has worked with a gamut of high-performing entrepreneurs, billionaires, models, New York Times bestselling authors in her journey, in her career, a former Miss Nevada, a journalist, on-camera host, and TV producer. Hillary has also worked with national traditional media outlets like USA Today, E! News, Extra, Entertainment Television. Her insights have been featured in Entrepreneur, Huffington Post and Thrive Global. But today, oh, today, she's sitting down with us and talking about her journey, how to create compelling content and why your business needs to. And yes, we do ask her about her pivot and her particular flavor of self-sabotage. We do get into the good stuff. We get into the good meat. But really understanding her expertise on the short form compelling content, it will really help both your business and your personal brand. This interview is key for anyone that owns a business or wants to build a personal brand and need to understand all the things out there, the social media, what makes the most sense for me? I asked her a lot of questions for our own brand. How will I earn the attention of my prospects? And ultimately, is this all necessary? Like, what's the most important thing? Do I need to do all the things? She walks us through that. Hillary's going to give us the goods. She delivers. And she even tells us if you had to only pick one thing to do in the social media world, this would be the one thing. That part alone is worth the listen, but there's so much more. If you are like me just a few years ago, wondering, do I really need to do all the social media stuff? Do I really need to do the content creation piece? Or is it just sort of this regurgitation of my website? Then you definitely need to listen closely. Let's begin. Hillary, it's so great to have you on the Pivot Me podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so Pivoters, we were talking for a while offline and then we got into all this great stuff and I was like, whoa, whoa wait, let's hit the record button because you guys don't want to miss this. So obviously I've just read her bio. Hillary is an amazing and an impressive woman. We're glad to get her time and just kind of run through some things around the work that she does but also her backstory. So we are going to get right into it because we were just having this conversation. I said, wait, we got to hit record so we hear this. So I heard Hillary being interviewed a while ago and she was talking about a story in Fiji and she was not in Fiji for the purposes of vacation, which is what many people go to Fiji for. And then we were just about to kick off a, wait, you were in Fiji too. So Hillary, we're just going to jump right in. Can you tell everyone why you were in Fiji? You know, I joke that a ghost brought me to Fiji. When I was working as a travel writer and travel blogger, I had attended this surf camp in Nicaragua and I met this incredible woman. She was my cabana mate. Unfortunately, she was killed in a car accident two weeks after we left the retreat. And uh, I ended up sending her family 
photos and, and thank yous and stories about sacrificing time with her so we could get to know her and have her impact our lives. And then they wrote back that they were one of the three chiefly families in Fiji and invited me out to come and meet them. And so I just by happenstance ended up on this trip out in Fiji for a month living with the firewalkers. And it was a wild experience. I ended up being a part of her father's funeral. Her father passed away within me being there within three days. And I was terrified that they were going to think I was some sort of harbinger of death. Like, as you know, the Fijians, they're very entrenched in their their culture and their religion. And, you know, cannibalism was only abolished in the 80s. And they, they, they're very spiritual. And I was just so terrified. I remember I was sitting there with the mother and she just kind of looked at me and said, you know, there must be something about you that's very calming and comforting in times of death, which is why Tale, their daughter, brought you here. So you said you wanted a traditional Fiji experience. Nothing is more Fijian than our funerals and our weddings. So you will take part in the funeral. You will serve as Tale's ambassador. You will do everything in the funeral that she would have done for her father. So I gave a eulogy at this man's funeral. It was a 30-day experience because the funerals last for that long in Fiji. And yeah, it was absolutely wild and I'm so grateful for it. And you were there as well. You said during a coup? I was. So I was there. I don't know what year that was. I should know. But there was a military coup in Fiji several years ago. My husband and I, I think we were dating at the time, but we were in Australia and had a great time, had a great experience in Australia. We were going to go over to Fiji. And then this coup happens. And of course, we're getting all these messages from home like, there's a military coup. It's all over the news. Don't go, don't go, don't go. And we're looking at it and we're, I was like, this sounds like a bit of an opportunity. Like we got to go figure this stuff out. You know, I was like, we got to go solve this. <laughs> right. I was like, we need to see this. And, and he did not share my sentiment. He's like, you know, I don't know that we do need to go. Like, I think we just stay in Australia and it'll be fine. We'll just sit this one out and we'll learn how to surf. But I can't even say that the, the more reasonable side of me prevailed. It did not. And then fast forward, we were supposed to board a flight and it got canceled because of the coup. They'd closed down the airport. And so then the next day, they were only taking flights out of Australia and New Zealand. And they rerouted us. We were supposed to go into, I think it was Suva, but we went into Nadi, I think it was. But they're like, well, will the rebels have control of this airport? But this one over here is open so you can fly in there. And I was like, well, this seems like an opportunity. And my boyfriend at the time, he's like, no, this seems like a bad idea. <laughs> So we boarded the plane and we landed and it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. But there was a protest that was happening and rebels surrounded the airport. They opened for one flight to land. We landed and then the airport closed back down. Wow. Pretty, a pretty wild time to be there. So I really should know the year for that. Yeah. It was an interesting experience to be there during kind of this very tumultuous time in their history. And people took control of the power plant. And so the power was out. So then the food spoiled. Oh, so we just ate from the sea, which didn't always get cooked. And then there was a story about dysentery that happens afterwards. But anyways, it was wild. It was a very well time. But the Fijians were just absolutely wonderful people. So wonderful. So rich in culture and such an interesting background as well. I, Hillary, I'm imagining as you – so many questions I want to ask about this. And I'm like, we got to get to our, our, the main <laughs> piece of our story. But this is just too fascinating. We got to stick on it for a second. I'm imagining when you say you you send these photos of and videos of the daughter and you reach out and 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 do this amazing thing. And then you get this invite to come to Fiji. I feel like the people around you, family and friends, go, Hillary, this is not a good idea. Like these people are strangers. Like, wh why are you gonna do this? Where are you gonna stay? Is this safe? Like you had to have gotten pushback. Like, what did that look like? I even got pushback from myself. My first reaction when I read the email was like, that's really sweet. I'm never going to go there. Fiji's for honeymooners. I couldn't afford to make that happen. And in fact, I, I kind of made the decision I wasn't going to go. I looked at flights and I was like, wow, it's too expensive. And then I just kind of made a mental note of like, well, if, if flights drop below this price point, I could go. And you know, I was I was in a, a very influx time of my life. I had just graduated college and I was rejected from every graduate school I'd applied to. I felt like my life was over. I was just starting to unearth this new lifestyle and career as a travel writer and travel blogger. And yeah, it I think there's always been a lot of pushback when I have these ideas. 
And the way that the timing worked out, and I think that when things come in with that kind of ease, or like the universe almost lovingly forces you onto this new path, you have to listen. And it was, it ended up being an incredible experience. But I, you know, I think about as you're talking about the coup, and just some of these incredible moments of history that we can witness. I remember while I was there, outside of being a part of the funeral and, and seeing this culture so up close and personal, I remember they were having their first ever gay rights parade. And I was so excited about it. And I remember the morning of the parade, the newspaper arrived and the cover of the paper was that the parade had been shut down by the police. And I was livid and I'm just walking around with all of my white privilege, shaking the paper and just being like, how could they do this? And this is an outrage and yada, yada, yada. And who we have to talk to. And like, I've got to make a stink about this. Someone bring me the manager. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the family just kind of looked at me dumbfounded and they're like, Hillary, you're not in America. Like, you're, that's it. And it was a very sobering moment for me of how lucky and privileged I am to have been born into a culture where, uh, especially now, like we have such a push and a desire for diversity and inclusion and acceptance and tolerance and welcoming of different types of people. And there are many places throughout the world that even for as, as welcoming and loving and happy of a culture and, and people as they are, that many people are dealing with a very different reality. And I'm so grateful that I was given that education and that opportunity to say that and to see that. But yeah, I think, you know, over the years, it's a lot of learning to trust yourself and getting uncomfortable with the, these new and uncertain situations. And the more that I've trusted that if I put myself in these situations, I will find a comforting normal. The more I'm able to grow and deal with uncertain and unprecedented times that come up in our, in our world. Yeah. Because in retrospect, it all makes sense, right? Like when we're reading the story background, we're like backwards. We're like, oh, this was amazing. I went and had this. And then I had this aha and this experience and opened up these new opportunities or this new perspective. It all makes sense in reverse. But I'm always curious in that moment, this kind of like this pivot in your life where likely everybody is saying, no, no, you're supposed to go right at this time. Like at this juncture in your life, you head this way. And you're like, what about that door over there? And likely everyone in your life is like, no, 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 forget about that door. This is the path for you. And just understanding both the strength, the courage, the whatever it is to go through that other door and have what sounds like a remarkable experience. That does take a lot of courage. And I have to give a lot of credit to Tale because she was one of the first ones to have that pivot conversation with me. We were sitting on the beach. And of course, I was lamenting to this beautiful group of women. I was the youngest one there at the time. So they were all much more established in their careers. She was still only 25 and you know, living in Australia, working for a Chinese company from Fiji. She spoke six or seven different languages. She was super fascinating human. And so I was still, you know, rambling off this narrative about how I didn't know what was next and my life was over and I wasn't, I didn't get into the schools I was supposed to get into. And I was the straight A student and I was the number one graduate of my university. They gave me an award for being so amazing at school. And now all of that, you know, had culminated to nothingness. And her question to me was like, well, what do you enjoy doing? And it's like, well, this is kind of fun. Like I like sitting here on the beach with you and and talking and, and meeting all these interesting people and, and writing about it and sharing that via this blog that I created. And it was just a very simple question, but she's like, well, why don't you just do that? And at the time, blogging was still such a new career path. It didn't even seem like it was a potential that I could make a career out of it. And I think that that has been a question I constantly revisit for myself and with others is what's the lifestyle that you like? What do you enjoy doing? And how could you potentially fit that into this new path that you're forging for yourself? So I really have to give her a lot of credit for, you know, being bold enough to even say that to me as someone that was practically a stranger at the time and continuing just to move forward. I, I think I was lucky enough that every experience as I, I went along provided a little bit of reinforcement. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of tears that was happening on this Fijian trip and a lot of concern that like I needed to get on the next flight home and maybe this was all a big mistake and, and a lot of loneliness. And it really was me having the ability to journal and to write that 
provided a lot of that relief and catharsis for me. But there was always that moment where I thought I'd hit my breaking point and I'd be in some town square or on some road lost and about to just be like, forget it, I need to go home. And then some stranger would approach me and be like, do you need help? Or are you lost? Or what, or I meet that new friend that I would travel with. And I, it allowed me to believe in my journey that I would be provided for when the moment came. So I hope that other people can take that forward. That's super powerful. Cause what I'm hearing is like, just take the next right step. You know, there's a quote that's like, you have to leap before the net appears. It's almost like you just have to trust that I'm going to take a step and then the net appears. And when I take the next step, the nets appear. We have to have a vision of where we're headed. Ideally, we don't always, but it's helpful when we have a vision. However, we've got to be so loose in how we get there. And I love when you said, what kind of lifestyle do you want? You're kind of reverse engineering versus like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a very different conversation than, hey, what would you like your days and your weeks to look like? And then let's reverse engineer that. Let's build something around that. And you are someone who's literally created a career that the road wasn't paved for you. Like you just said, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I always say that you're picking from the a la carte menu of the sky. You're like, this is my lifestyle. These are the people I want to surround myself with. This is the kinds of things I want to do. And then you just pulled this together from that. And now you run a business doing this. Now we're here. I mean, TikTok didn't exist as short form video content was not a conversation we were having 10 years ago. It is wild to think about how we have created this business. We've created this opportunity to add value and connect with people in a way that is constantly evolving and changing. And so I think, again, yeah, those those beliefs loosely held, those visions loosely held has been really important. I have never been a specific manifester when it comes to my dreams. I, in fact, things that I specifically focus on, I'm like, I'm going to get this, tend to be the things that don't happen, but I will end up getting the things that I need if I'm focusing on the energetics of what I want that situation to look like. And it'll always, almost always come in better than what I could have imagined. And then a form, as long as I remain open to what it could look like. And I tend to hit my head against the wall a lot when I try to say, no, it has to be this way. And this is the way you make money. And, and that's where I, I see a lot of my own resistance, uh, be my own worst enemy. Yeah. One of the things that we have to talk about on Pivot Me is how we self-sabotage. And I, and I want to get into that you mentioned short form content and TikTok. I want us to get in that in just a second, but I just want to point out what you just said is one of the questions we like to ask is how do you self-sabotage? Because you know most of our business owners, there a lot of them are business owners that are listening. So there's some, we get some executives from corporate America. We love all the pivoters, but ultimately every single one of us self-sabotage. And it's so very important to know that it's like, oh, I whether it's I get all the ideas and we don't cross the finish line with them, or I get really tied to how something's going to be instead of the why or the what. And then when it doesn't work out exactly the way I imagine, then I get discouraged and I quit. Hillary, I want to ask you that question. How do you self-sabotage? I think for starters, I tend to put a lot of restraint around what and constraints around what something needs to look like in order for it to be successful. I think even when we started into the the creator world, so you know, my background, I, I ended up going on from Fiji to, to become a, a national journalist. I worked with USA Today for a while. I was a red carpet host and correspondent. I did a lot of celebrity interviews and behind the scenes videos and produced for E! News. And then that landed me in the world of making Facebook videos. I was just doing it for fun at the time. And I had an opportunity to get this Facebook watch channel. So between my background and, and my co-founder and my life partner's background, you know, he's a billboard charting musician and had done all this music content and had his own TED talk. And we thought we understood what it meant to make great content. So even just starting out, we're like, we got this, this is going to be great. And we started making these videos and they sucked. They were not performing well. And it was very frustrating because we kept thinking that we knew what we were doing and that we had it figured out. And it, we finally hit this precipice a couple months in where it's like, okay, we either have to completely revise our perception and our plan as to what we're doing, or we have to drop this. And so we spent hours looking at hundreds and hundreds of viral videos and just without judgment, just navigating on an Excel sheet. Okay. Like what's happening? How long is this video? How many people are in the video frame? Oh, wow. What colors are they wearing? You approached it like a scientist. Exactly. Like we really broke it down from a non-judgmental, not, not a personal, what are we doing wrong? You know, we should be good at this already, but like what's happening here. And then let's look at trends. And from that, 
we were able to see that there were certain things, certain patterns that were continuing to emerge from these, these viral videos. So we approached those and applied those to our next video. That next video did 5 million views. The video after that did 10 million views. And it's not to say that every video that we did after that was a banger, but we did realize as we started to approach and take the scientific viewpoint of our content, that there were some tendencies and things that if we, if we levers that we pulled, that we could ensure that these videos would get more views and we could maximize the watch time, which is what we're always trying to do on videos. So I look at that as a good example of self-sabotage because I think oftentimes when we approach a new part of our business, yes, our skill set is has allowed us and primes us to be able to take on this new chapter, but it's staying open to what that can look like and getting the feedback from the universe of what's working for other people. And, you know, even within that, we went on to do a billion organic views. I accidentally got on TikTok and built a following from zero to 400,000 followers in 40 days. Didn't want to get on TikTok. It's a whole other story. But we weren't necessarily happy doing this content. I think it was November of 2021. We did 182 videos. And both my partner and I were just like banging our heads up against a wall because we felt like we should be enjoying this more, but it wasn't content that we really enjoyed putting our name behind. It was a lot of pranks and and gifting videos and and it's super fun, but we both had a passion for helping people. And I love brand strategy and he loved building things. And so we started to think about how could we take all of this knowledge that we have and apply it to something that's going to light us up more and thus Attention Ears was born. So now we use all that background, all that knowledge to help personal brands and entrepreneurs and companies make better videos to be able to connect with their target audiences. But again, the self-sabotage thinking that we have to stay being full-time content creators because that's where other people are seeing a lot of success and that's where other people are applying the skill set that we have. We don't know of any other full-time content creators that have gone into the agency space to help brands, which is part of the, they make tons of money. They don't need to, they don't want to, but there was a fulfillment aspect for us that we weren't seeing on that career path that we needed to address. So Again, going back to the self-sabotage, I think it's just keeping yourself in that box for a little too long without being open to what else this could look like. Yes. I, that was a great example. And I, I want to talk more on the content piece as well, specifically to help out pivoters that are listening. But that was a phenomenal example because I think of how often, a couple of things. One, how often are we so married to the way that we think it should be done? We can even lean on our expertise, but I know X, Y, Z, and I this, or I have a degree in this, or I went and did this training, and we get like so tied to why our way should be the right way instead of objectively like pushing back from the table and say, forget. I just think a lot of people, Hillary, would have beat themselves up over why we know all the things. Why is this video not working? And spend a lot of time in the justification process or the negotiating process. And instead you just went, push yourself away from the table. And you said, we're just going to objectively look at the other content out there. We're going to have the hat of a data scientist on instead and just say, what's the trends? How long? Look at it as like a, a new student, like with fresh eyes. I just think so many people would have stayed in the, why isn't it working? Why is it my skill set applying? Or even taking shots at how other people got viral, you know, videos went viral and be like, mm, it wasn't as good as what we did instead of just saying, what can I learn from these other people that have been successful? I mean, don't get me wrong. We did a lot of that too. Like there, there's, <laughs> there was that too. <laughs> that, that, that also happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's human and that's normal. And I've, I've had to learn to give myself permission to be that person and have that moment. But then being able to evolve from that to, okay, I've had my moment. I've thrown myself a pity party. I've been jealous or envious of so-and-so's content. And now it's time for me to go back and be a student and for me to see what I can learn from this and apply it moving forward. And I think the biggest misnomer and mistake that especially with personal brands and, and entrepreneurs they're making right now, and it's it's through no fault of their own. I think part of this comes from the way that Instagram has been for so long, which is a look at me. And doesn't everybody want to see what I'm doing type of aesthetic, which is no longer the name of the game. And it really shouldn't be, right? This is about having to earn attention. There are 20 million new videos being posted to social media every single day, right? So that's your competition. You've got so much noise and there's a lot of bad videos out there. So 
in order for you to get your message to your target audience, you have to earn the attention. No one is going to stick around to wait anymore for something. You have two and a half seconds to get their attention and then to keep it for another two and a half seconds. So it's a lot more intentionally crafting the content than I think we're used to, which can be exhausting if you're not used to thinking in that regard. But I think once we remove the assumption that somebody should care what you're doing and really even taking that approach for myself of when I'm looking at my content objectively, not from me as being attached to it, but me as Hillary scrolling through on the internet, would I watch this? Would I keep watching this? Am I doing the right things in this video to keep somebody who doesn't know me, a stranger, watching this video? And the more that we can put that type of energy and that perspective into our content, the more we're going to be able to resonate and actually keep the audience that we want to have. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So Hillary, what would you say to someone that, you know, we mentioned this before we went on live. We talked about if someone's like, you know, a real estate agent, they've been successful, they've been in it for a long time, they've had some measure of success. They're kind of eyeing social media right now. Maybe their posts are restricted to like, this is my latest listing and, and sort of the, I just want to stay visible for my audience. If someone's in that boat and they're going, okay, well, maybe I need to start exploring social media, whether it's TikTok or another platform, what advice would you give them? Like, is it, do they jump into video? Are they trying to appeal to the people that are already watching them? Are they trying to get new eyes? What does that process look like? I think when we initially talk to people about doing content online, there's a lot of resistance to adding anything to their plate, right? It all feels very additive. Like, oh, now I have to do social media. Now, not only do you have to do social media, you have to do TikTok and you have to do your stories and your highlight reels and you have to do Instagram reels and YouTube shorts. You have to do lives and now you've got Be Real and TikTok now and just throw you under the bus. Like there's just too much to do and you have no time for it. So we get that. Adobe recently did a study that showed that when people are on their phone, when they're not making phone calls or they're not texting, 80% of the time that they are on their phones, they are watching short form video. 80% of the time. 80% of the time people are on their phones and they're not talking or texting. They are watching short form videos. That's Instagram reels. That's TikTok. That's YouTube shorts. That is the type of video content that they are consuming. So if we're discussing the 80-20 rule of like where to get that 80% return for 20% of the effort, to me, if you're struggling or you have the resistance of, I can do no more, I'm exhausted, I'm tapped out, or everything I'm trying is not working, our recommendation is you go 100% in on short form video and stop doing everything else. When you say everything else, what do you mean everything else? I just want to be clear on that. I mean, stop posting stories, stop posting photos, stop focusing on highlight reels, stop focusing on lives, anything else that isn't short form video. If you currently are at capacity, that's where I would put all of my effort. Because again, 80% of the time, that's what your audience is watching. So We want to go and we want to engage with people in the way that they want to be engaged with. So that's for starters. I think the next thing that I would say is we want to make sure we know what the goal is and where we're trying to send people and who we're trying to attract. Because for example, for a real estate agent, that could be a couple of different target demographics. That could be you want to attract more brokers if you're a broker owner and you want to bring in more blood to help you run and grow your business. It could be that you're looking for more buyers, that you want more people that you can sell houses to, or you're looking for more sellers and more homes that you can sell, or you want to be an expert in your particular neighborhood, and or in which case that's going to change the type of content. So depending upon who you're trying to attract and where we're trying to drive them is going to drastically change the type of content that you're putting out, right? So that's the, the, the first thing. And then I think it's a lot easier than people think. I know that because of the nature of TikTok and how it started, which is with every trend, right? It's or every platform, it starts with the younger demographic and then eventually everyone else comes into it as well. We hear a lot, I don't want to dance. I'm just thinking that. I don't want to dance. I don't want to point. I don't want to point. I don't want to dance. I don't want to hop on trends, to which I say, great. Like, I don't want you to do those things either. Because here's the reality by nature, if you are hopping on a trend, you are by definition a follower. So what I want you to do is 
maybe not necessarily even trend setting, but putting forward the content that's going to attract the audience that's going to convert. This is all about creating content that converts. A lot of people will talk about trends and sounds and time of day to post. And we get these questions all the time. And, you know, when should I post this? And what should my hashtags be? And I think the reason is, is because these social media marketing gurus don't actually have experience making content that converts or making content that goes viral. What's unique about us is that we are content creators and we have done a billion organic views. So we can pull those levers and by focusing on the time of day and you know what platform and which hashtags, that can all help your videos give lift, but none of it matters if the content isn't compelling. So we're very much a creative first approach and Really, that starts with what's the voice that you want to have on that platform and what are the values that you want to communicate to the audience? There's a very well-known real estate agent whose name is, is I'm blanking on at this moment in time. He is selling a multi-five-figure course product through his TikTok short-form videos. And his audience is very much that aspirational young male who wants to have the money and do the private jet flights and have the car. So a lot of his content is curated around that. But if he was trying to sell a course or sell to sellers or sell to buyers, his content would look very different and might be more around, here's how I staged this house to, for optimum sale, or here's how I negotiated for X, Y, or Z or closing costs, or here's how I moved this house within three days, or here's this house that was on the market for 300 days when I got it, and here's how I got it sold within two weeks, right? There's a lot of different types of content that he could do depending upon the audience he's trying to serve. So it's figuring out really where do you want to carve out your niche within, within your industry and become known in your space doing that type of content that's going to resonate. So often we look at these big influencers like Gary Vee, like Mark Cuban that are, are making a very specific style of content. And we hear like, well, I want to make content like him. I'm like, that's great. It's not going to work for you in the same way. For a number of reasons. He already has the name recognition. He already has the reputation um, and he already has the following. So what you want to be looking at is what was he doing 10 years ago? What was he doing when he first started out and replicating that, right? Because wherever you are now is certainly not where he is now. So you want to look at where in his journey is similar to yours. And we can, if that is the goal, we can start here and work to build you up. But, you know, so often people just start to parrot what they see because they see it working for these bigger celebrities, thinking that's going to be the thing that works for them. But it's not the same game. Again, we have to go back to you have to earn the attention. And how do we do that? And it's by leveraging the psychology of attention in order to make that happen. Yeah, that's such a good point because I've seen that as well too. And lots of pivoters are fans of Gary Vee and they're like, okay, well, we're now using this as a lead generator and we're going to start making some content. And many people listening right now are like, well, I'm not an influencer. Like I don't consider myself a content creator. However, I do know that you really like to impact people and social media is another way to impact people. And obviously it's a lead generator as well. So it helps your business. It helps all of those things, both your kind of your benevolent goals, but also your revenue goals. Hey, Pivoter, I see you taking notes. I see you applying things into your business and life. Great work. But what if you could do it on a Zoom call with me? Well, here is your invite. I am hosting a free live event on Zoom where I get to know you, your challenges, and help you work through them as we accelerate your growth together. This is a free virtual event, and I'd love for you to join. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash event and save your spot now. We'll keep these small. They will fill up. I'd love for you to be there. Again, it's pivot-me.com backslash event. We'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll see you there. So when someone's thinking about this and going, okay, well, I like Gary Vee. I don't really consider myself an influencer, but I would like to get out there and kind of speak to my audience. Or maybe it's even the real estate agent that's saying, okay, well, I don't want to just post my listings anymore. What are you telling them to do? So is it just, okay, what do these people really want to hear? Is it more of a sales approach of, okay, I want to tell them how I'm different than other real estate agents or why my experience matters? Like what approach should they take to social media? So for all of the content, we would encourage them. We want to leverage the psychology of attention. And in order for that to happen, you really have to be adding a ton of value. So if you're making content 
that is a why you should hire me or this is about my brand, that's an ad. And the reality is, is whether or not you're on TikTok or you want to be on TikTok, TikTok has changed the name of the game as far as how people are consuming content. And they don't even want to see ads anymore. They want to see TikToks. You hear all the time, don't make ads, make TikToks. And what they're really saying is stop promoting yourself and start engaging and creating content that your audience values and they want to watch. I've not heard that. Don't make ads, make TikTok. That's so good. Don't make ads, make TikToks. TikTok tells this to us all the time. We're on their agency advisory board and we've had the pleasure of working with them very intimately over the past six months. And it is a challenge, especially for you know agency houses and marketing houses that are so used to and are phenomenal at making ad content. They don't necessarily know how to make great short form content because the market is demanding something different. So from that perspective, thinking about what are different ways that, again, if if you have a stranger, your target audience doesn't know you, is scrolling through, what's going to be the type of video that they would want to see that they're going to stop and watch? So how we do that is we leverage the psychology of attention. So we'll have you pick a topic. And the first piece of that is we want to grab attention, right? Because again, you have two and a half seconds before they're deciding whether or not they're moving on. And then that two and a half seconds only buys you another two and a half seconds. So this is not just a one and done. We want to be intentionally thinking about this. And it's exhausting when you first start making your brain work like this, but it becomes easier the more that you do this. So that's the first piece is we have to grab attention. The second piece is we want to spark an emotion. What do we want them to feel? People share videos or share posts because it says something about them that they don't want to necessarily say directly. This is why you see all those Disney princess quizzes end up on Facebook. It's like, why did your friend post that? Well, because she wants you to know that she got Jasmine and she's sassy, but she just doesn't want to post that she's sassy. So she's going to use this instead, right? So we want to be able to spark an emotion. And then the last piece, which we think is one of the biggest ones, is create a gap. We want to create an information gap. If you give away too much or too little at the beginning of the video, people are going to scroll away. If you give away too much, there's no reason for them to stick around. If you give away too little, they're not going to know why they're sticking around. So what's that information gap that we can create for them? And utilizing those three pieces, if you're able to check those boxes for every video that you make, they will be entertaining, they will capture attention, they will keep people watching, and and they will be shareable, even if you're not doing something wild and crazy, right? This is all about adding value. And also doing some research. Like the cool thing about TikTok is that it's now the number one search engine for millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, you're looking crazy at me. I am. I was like, I thought it was Google and then YouTube. Nope. TikTok surpassed Google and YouTube last year and is now the number one search engine for millennials and Gen Z. And so they are holding on to that moniker and they are working very hard to ensure that all of their videos are now being cataloged appropriately. And also TikToks are now being cataloged on Google. So you can utilize your hashtags and your search terms that you want to be coming up for within your videos, within those hashtags, within your description to help you continue to reach your audience. But people are looking up how to do things. They're no longer YouTubing it, they're TikToking it. So how to make peppermint bark, how to fix my refrigerator, all of those, they're wanting that short, to the point content to get them that value add so they can move on with their lives. And edutainment talk is becoming such a huge part of the movement. People want this education. They want it in an entertaining way. So being able to maximize that. And I think it's just knowing where your audience is living, right? My majority of the part, I'd say a lot of them are on TikTok. And if you're refusing to get on it because it seems scary or it's new, you're missing the opportunity. Someone else is going to have that connection and that conversation with your target audience. It's not going to be you. Yeah. The cool thing about taking a short form content and specifically a TikTok first approach is that it then becomes a one way street. So what we see often happen is that a lot of people will start on Instagram or they'll start on Facebook or they'll start on YouTube, and then they'll try to port over that content to TikTok or to other platforms. And it doesn't perform the same. Okay. But if you take a TikTok first approach and say, how can I make this piece of content perform well on this platform? we do know that it will perform well on the other platforms. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So you're following what works for TikTok and that applies to the, in the other direction, but it, the reverse isn't true. I wouldn't have guessed that because I think that a lot of the pivot me listeners aren't going to TikTok first. Like I think we're, we're LinkedIn. We might be Facebook. 
or Instagram. So I'm thinking anyone who's listening right now is like, I'm not on TikTok or maybe I do, but I just watch other people's videos and thinking about doing this for you, for your brand, for your business. That would have been our first thought was just push. As I'm sitting here, because we are not on TikTok. Pivot Me is not on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I'm thinking about it. And that's immediately what I was going to do. It's like, all right, well, can we just repurpose content from our other platforms onto that? But we've got to create entirely different content based off of what works for TikTok and then push it over to all the other platforms. Right. And again, it it becomes more efficient as you think about this, right? Because again, if 80% of the time people are watching short form video, and if you're able to create a strategy that works well on one platform and then repurpose that content across platform, you've just eliminated so much other additional work that you would be doing otherwise. Yeah. So how does this work for LinkedIn? Because I think of TikTok and I think of it as younger generation. And now having said that, most of the TikToks that I get forwarded are by people in their 40s. So maybe that's no longer true. <laughs> but I'm thinking about like, okay, does the stuff that you would create for TikTok apply to LinkedIn? Yeah. You can push it that way. Cause I, I just feel like they're different audiences and, and have different needs. Is the answer no? I mean, I have seen plenty of our own content, even within the viral video space, be stolen and put on LinkedIn and perform exceptionally well there. So I think it really comes down to what's the topic and is it relevant to that platform? And especially if you're a a brand and you're putting out content that's of value to your target audience and that target audience is also on LinkedIn, then that content should work there as well. Without like a specific example, I I can't speak to it too much, but I, I will say that I have seen it work. And again, what we're looking to do is have you make better content that people are willing to watch for longer periods of time. And that's regardless of what platform you're on, that's the goal. If you can optimize and maximize watch time on your videos, the algorithm will help to lift and push out those videos even more. Explain the algorithm. So if someone's like, we've heard about it loosely, but explain that it's like, hey, these are the things you do to be favored by the algorithm and why this matters so much. So when we were content creators, we didn't have major followings. What we did have is an understanding as to what we could do, what levers to pull to help the algorithm see that something was going on here to help us lift. So most of the time when you're dealing with influencers, let's say they have a million followers, they're going to reach somewhere between one to 4% of those followers per post. And that's just statistically across the board. That's what they're going to expect to see. Without boosting, right? That's just kind of organically. Okay organically one to 6% if I'm being generous. So what we would do is with our smaller followings, maybe with 10,000 or a hundred thousand followers, we would go, how can we construct this piece of content in such a way that people will want to watch it and watch it for longer periods of time than other videos that the algorithm says, huh, that's interesting. This video is being watched longer than the other videos on the on the channel. This video is having more engagement. I should push this out to more audiences to see who else likes this video. And then that's where you get these 5 million, 10 million, 100 million videos, even if you don't have a very large audience. And so we would consistently and statistically bat way above our average because of the fact that we were able to leverage the algorithm. And again, those, those are levers that we can pull, but it all comes down and starts with great creative. We've had our content stolen many times and put up on somebody's personal profile on TikTok that has a thousand followers that suddenly they get a hundred thousand views or a million or 40 million views even. Real story that translates to tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers for them because of a good piece of content. So again, I think a lot of people focus on the strategy instead of the substance. And it's like the strategy doesn't work or will not work as well if the substance isn't there. Got you. And when, again, when you're saying substance, you're saying about getting their attention, the creative, you know, yeah. giving enough. Okay. And w- that's the other thing. When you say creative, it's like how the video is designed and the con- like the actual words that are said in the video. I just want to make sure I break it down for someone who's maybe not accustomed to this world. As yeah. Much. When I say creative, I just mean the video in general. I think a lot of people spend so much time in post-production and a great post-production strategy is a great pre-production strategy. We spend a majority of our time and even in our trainings when we're working with clients, we focus a lot on ideation and pre-production because if the video isn't honed in well, and crafted from the start, and we're not intentionally thinking about how we're setting this up, we're then putting forward a haphazard plan that may or may not work. So that's really what we want to be doing is, and something that, again, with 20 million videos going up a day, 
I want to watch better videos. And so selfishly, I want to help people make better videos so that I don't have to cut through as much noise on my own feed. And so, yeah, whenever we're talking about creative, that that just means the video itself gotcha. and really focusing on the structure of that. So there's a lot of, I'm just thinking about this. This isn't the same as like turning on your phone and just talking into it. Like this is a whole nother level and a, a lot more preparation. I love what you said about pre and post production. So if I'm listening to this again, I, you nailed it earlier when a business owner is listening to this and going, wait a second, this sounds like way more work. I want to come back to something you said. If you're having to practice some ruthless prioritization, something we talk a lot about on Pivot Me, you're saying forego the photos, forego the lives. Maybe I'm even kind of hearing you might even forego some of the guest podcasting even and just work on this short form content. Like this is a pretty radical statement. I, I just want to kind of break it down for someone who's listening because at first I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, this is a big commitment. This is a big time commitment and energy and, and there's copy that needs to be written. There's all the words that are going to be said or however this is going to be designed. But really to create the space to do this, you're saying cut out a bunch of stuff that's actually not converting for you. Correct. And I think if you were to go and look at the data, again, take the personal, the, the approach that we did when we first started making videos, and you take that that personal component of, of, of how close to your heart it feels to be doing all these other things that make you busy, and just look at the data. And if, if you're able to show me, hey, this photo post actually, or you know, what we posted this week converted to a sale or converted to people signing up for our email list, great. But I would challenge you that if you were to put that same time and effort and energy into short form videos and intentionally crafting those, you will see a much higher return on investment. Because here's the thing too, the beautiful thing about social media and specifically TikTok is that it's really democratized the algorithm and it's democratized the ability to reach your audience before social media even existed, right? You had to pay for magazine ads and radio ads and commercials and those all still exist. And you, yeah, there is a pay to play component of social media, but you can reach your target audience without doing any of that. And in fact, you have the ability to create your own brand without anybody say so there's no gatekeepers and you can almost, I don't want to say overnight because there's no such thing, but very rapidly build a following, build credibility and carve out yourself as the expert in your space in a way that you could not get that same kind of traction doing anything else. So when we talk about having impact and being of influence and wanting to reach the people that you absolutely want to reach, there is no bigger ROI than being on a platform. And especially with 80% of people watching short form video on their phones, that's what you need to be doing. So like thinking about content through that lens of how do I get the eyeballs that I want to have and do so in an efficient way, knowing that this is not the full-time job that you want to have either. Yeah. It, are they baking in, I'm just thinking about the real estate example we gave earlier. Are they baking in the call to action into the video itself? Because I, I imagine I'm walking myself through this process and say, I'm, you know, been in real estate for 15 euros and I've had a level of success and I'm like, all right, let me rethink my social media strategy. I think, okay, I post this video and I wake up and a million views. So what? So what does that do for me? Because maybe someone who's not accustomed to this world go, great, it's vanity metrics. A million people saw my video. Like, how do we translate that over into business? So a couple things. The first one being, if, if you have a million views on a video and that video is not converting, then my question to you is, what is set up incorrectly on your page? When we think about TikTok users, they're actually very different in comparison to other platforms and how users interact. TikTok users are almost two to three times more likely to go to a profile after they see a video that they like to learn more about that person or that profile. They're twice as likely to click on links and go to websites. They are more likely to make purchases and purchase decisions off of that link than they would otherwise. A majority, the, the metrics and the psychology behind it are super fascinating, but they are much more open and receptive and want to create that connection. So if you have a video that does a million views, and let's say that you have followed all of our recommendations, it's within your voice, it's within your values, it's pointed at your target audience and demographic, then the question is, where are you sending them? And I'd encourage you not to put a call to action on that video if it's an organic. If it's an ad, for sure put a call to action at the end of that video. 
If it's an organic video, again, we don't want to see ads. We want to get them more entrenched in watching more of your content and getting to know and like you more to hit that follow button and then want to go find out more through your link. And hopefully if that's either sending them to a free call, that's sending them to a download, that's getting them into your ecosystem off of social media so that you can sell and convert them to a sale that way. So we want to be thinking, it's not just that that one piece of creative, it's is all the creative aligned so that they know what they're getting when they come to your profile, they know how you can help them, and then they can take the action in that final step. Duolingo did such an incredible job of this. Again, they're a language learning platform, very unsexy product. And they made the decision, I think it was a year ago, to get on TikTok. And within that, they also made the decision of we're not going to push our product at all. We're going to make great content that shares the values of our brand that's super entertaining. And we're going to trust that our audience is going to take that final step for us and download the app when they want to learn languages. So that's what they've done. Their entire feed, they had this, it's a little bird, his name's Duo. And I'm sure it's some you know mascot costume they had from some activation left over. And they're like, yeah, you could use that in yeah, your TikTok. Let's and it's, that thing. Exactly. And so it's just Duo's day in the life. And he's always up to something mischievous and doing something sassy and being this. And it, again, it's all about showcasing the values of the brand. And now they're the number one language learning platform for young generations. And they have such a brand notoriety and brand affinity. And that's the thing is like outside of an awareness play, this is about building brand affinity and that credibility and that trust and making sure that long-term they know what you're about and why they can trust you. So trusting that your audience, that your target audience is going to take that final step, you don't need to hit them over the head with it. You just need to show up and provide value and to be that person that they can trust with the content that you have to give them and know that those that are meant to move forward will take that action. So, you know, removing that fear that if you don't tell them to click on your bio, that they won't do it because they will. They will. So I was just thinking about a, a guy that I've worked with for Michael. He runs a roofing company in Florida. And I'm thinking if he's doing videos, he's, he's not, but Michael, we're going to talk about this. So let's just say, I think the natural tendency would be like, I'm going to do a video and it's going to be about roofing and it's going to be informative. And then I'm going to say, call us to talk about your roofing needs. No, this is an ad. Instead, Michael's doing a video that is informational, entertaining, speaks to his audience. And he's not saying anything about call us to get a new roof. That's ad territory. It's just, is it just kind of getting, you said brand affinity. So people are, they're liking you, they're interested in you, they're getting an idea of who the owner of the roofing company is. And no, you don't have to beat them over the head and say, call us for your roofing needs, because that's what a commercial looks like. And these are not commercials. You can put that in the, the call to action in your profile. Call us for your roofing needs. Here's the link, you know, schedule your call here right? Like you're still giving them the option to do that. You're just not putting it at the end of each video. Those videos are focused on here's how often you should check your roof for these issues. Or if you have a big storm, or if you have a terracotta roof versus a metal roof, I don't, I don't know anything about the roofing. I don't, yeah, I'm just exactly. making stuff up here. We're doing good. Michael's going, Oh my gosh, guys, come on. <laughs> but the, or like what questions to ask when you're looking to hire a roofer, what's considered an acceptable rate? Should I get multiple bids? What should I, what are, you know, red flags that I should be looking for? If you're putting out content that helps people make better decisions, then they're going to trust that you have their goodness in mind, that you're thinking about them and you're prioritizing their needs. Again, right? This is about what you can do for them. This isn't about look at me. It's about what you can do for them. And you're building that connection with that audience so that when they do have a roofing need, they'll be like, oh my God, I follow this guy. He's awesome. We should definitely call him because he knows what he's talking about. And you see this happening even without large followings. People in service industries, whether it's injury attorneys or, or real estate agents, they're seeing massive traction just by showing up and again, adding value of the thing that they know how to do that shows why they have that uniqueness, why they are able to help solve the problem better than somebody else in their industry. And again, just because there might be a hundred roofers, I'm going to guess that are making content, the statistic or the, the probability that someone else in your area and serving the target demographic that you're serving is making that kind of content is very slim to none. So don't be discouraged by the fact that other people are out there doing it. You know, look at what they're doing. And again, taking that objective stance is how can I then apply this to my brand to, for me to be successful and see what works there? 
I love it. And I love this idea of like helping people make better decisions. I'm just, again, I, I'm trying to bounce around to people that I, I know who could put, put this information that you're giving us today, Hillary, right in play. I'm just thinking about another guy that we work with, Kevin, who owns a, a law practice in Florida. And I'm just thinking about how much content he could put out just helping people make better decisions. And he's not coming on and saying, hey, use me as a lawyer, use my law practice for your contracting needs. He's not saying any of that. It's just, here's these first, Kevin, just be a funny lawyer. Like you're doing good there. Like the guy likes show tunes. I mean, he's got like an angle there, right? Show tunes lawyer. I love it. Perfect. I know it's, it's funny. I was like, I, I was like, you're so ripe for a personal brand. You don't know it yet. Like, but you do. He's someone who like breaks out in song on our calls. And lawyers are super successful through short form content. And the cool thing too, is like, even if you're getting people booking free calls that aren't in your area, now you get to be a referral source. And within, especially within the law industry, like you can make really great money just referring clients to other sectors. So, and other attorneys that are outside of your area, you're outside your jurisdiction. So, you know, there it provides opportunities for you to grow in a lot of different directions. And again, as we're evolving in the world of short form video, actors and actresses are now being hired, not based upon talent, but upon the audience that they can bring with them to they're getting record deals based upon the audiences that they already have. And a lot of the traditional actors and actresses and musicians and creators are very upset by this, right? But talent is now table stakes. So if we take away, like you're good at your job, awesome. You should be, and I'm proud that you are. Now, this is about adding on and saying, what else can you bring to the table that's going to drive the business? And this is how panels are being chosen. This is how keynote speakers are being chosen. This is how book deals are happening now. It's based upon this engagement and building this brand affinity long-term. So again, I know it's frustrating to think about adding something else to your plate when you're such a busy business owner, but if we can remove all the things that aren't working on social media and focus on the one thing that everybody is moving towards and the way that they're engaging and engage with them there, you're going to see much more success. I love it, Hillary. And, and you said it, it's, this isn't adding one more thing to the plate. You're prioritizing. You're saying, hey, just so you know, these five things you're doing over here, there's no bang for your buck here. The return is very low. I'm saying if you need to, if you may need to make a decision, then you cut all those things out and just do that. And I just made a comment or I just made a note for myself, Kevin, I'm going to introduce you to Hillary because Hillary, I would love for you to talk to him. Yeah. Actually, we have a couple follow-up questions, but I, I do want to ask that question. So Hillary, as you're talking about this and our pivoters are listening to this going, okay, I want to try something like this, or maybe I've, I've tried a little bit and I haven't been successful. Where's the best place for them to get in contact with you or just understand more about what you guys do and what you have to offer? The best place to get a hold of us is at attentioneers.com. That's attentioneers.com. You can book a free call with us. We're always interested in hearing what you're up to, what your goals are, and how we can potentially help. So that's the best place yeah. to find us. Perfect. Perfect. So I've, I've got I've got one last question for you, Hillary. I'm, I'm just thinking through. This was amazing and insightful, and I, I wrote so many notes for myself. I want to get this out, what you guys are doing, because there's people like us that we've been doing. You know, I've run a consulting company for years, and social media was just like, oh, this is a necessary part of marketing. Great. And we'll have a team do it, and we'll, we'll kind of think about it. But it's really just we're using it like a web page. Like it's like, oh, well, we're just going to put the information out there so we at least stay in front of people. And what you're talking about is something so much more engaging and something we're starting to do more on our side. But I just know that there's so many business owners out there that are going, well, it's a piece of marketing, but it's not a massive piece of marketing. And you're talking about making this pretty profound shift of like, no, 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 this can be a massive piece of marketing. And it's possible that the ads that you're putting out in your local newspaper or putting yourself in front of these other groups of people are not going to be nearly as effective as doing this short form content, talking to your audience. So final question. So for the person who is listening, the business owner that is like, should I do this? What do you say to push them across the finish line? I mean, what do you say when they're like, oh gosh, is, is this really for me? Because there's still someone who's on the fence that's listening right now. What do you say to them? You know, it's funny. It's because I'm a big proponent of if you don't feel like this is for you. I don't want to push you because I've been there and I, I have been pushed and it's so frustrating and it will not work as well. If you're not excited or you don't see the value in the investment of this, I will say that if you do just spend some time, there are so many studies and so many articles to reference about brands, boring brands, brands that were on the verge of collapse that have had a complete resurgence due to short form video and UGC content, user generated content videos that they're not even making. And 
willing to engage and adapt. I think this is all about adaptability when it comes to brands and just looking at in general how adaptive your brand is and how it's willing to survive as things continue to shift to a more digital age and a and the creator economy. And if that's something that you're holding up firm resistance against, I am a little fearful for the future of your business. And there are some that will, of course, always prevail. But I think it's important to think about how do we want to engage with our audience? Where can we find them? What's the biggest bang for our buck? And this is really the way forward. And I think it's going to be this way for at least the next five years. It's so good. I'll say what Hillary was saying more directly, maybe, which is talk to your people or someone else is going to steal them from you. Yeah, it's really it. And I hear what you're saying about if you're not believing in it, then it might come across as inauthentic. And essentially, you've you've just got to get on board. Like this is how business is done. And this isn't what I'm hearing is this isn't a small piece of business, guys. This isn't a small piece of marketing. This becomes your marketing, like regardless of if it's law practice or a roofing company or a consulting firm or a business advising company. It sounds like it doesn't really matter what it is. You talk to your clients through this method or someone else will. Yep. I mean, I feel like we're very much in those early 2000s, the internet days totally. of like, everybody's that. like, oh, do I really need a website? I don't need a website. And that's where we are. And that's okay if you're not on board. But again, if you're not on board, someone else will be and they're going to see the benefits. And that's that's all there is to it, folks. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. <laughs> no, it's so good. I love that. It, it's what we need to hear. And, and like I said, it's funny when, so, when Hillary and I are setting up this call, you know, there's emails that go back and forth with our teams. And in there, I say, here's the people that we really need to reach. And I describe them like, well, they do a little social media, but they don't this and they don't that. And and I I write, essentially it was me two years ago. So there's been this massive April's now on social media and doing all the things. And it's not just Facebook and pictures of her kids, but I had a massive hurdle over this too. Cause I was like, well, is this vanity? Is it really photos of my salad for lunch? Like I had a really hard time wrapping my head around it. And then and even still, I'm leaning further and further into it. But I was like, no, 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 guys, if if you really want both your business to grow, but also just massive impact, it's the people that are going to that, that are gonna bring you on as a retainer. They, they're going to give you money, but it's also the people that really need to hear your message and maybe can't afford it yet. Or maybe they're just not in the season of their life. There's a secondary and a tertiary audience out there that will not hear your message, will not experience your impact unless you're reaching them and you're reaching them this way. So I really encourage you, we'll go first. We're going to have conversations with Hillary as well, but I really encourage you to do this. Oh, I love it. Yes. Amen. Preach. Thank you so (laughs) much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. There were so many gems in there from Hillary. Let's break some of those down. So she referenced this Adobe study. I'd not heard of this one. If a cell phone user is not currently talking or texting on their phone, but using their phone, 80% of their time is watching short form content, TikTok videos, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, all short form content. They may not be reading your well thought out article on LinkedIn. That certainly explains how I am forwarded so many TikToks by friends each day. This this all checks out this 80% number. Like anecdotally, this feels right to me. They're short. They're to the point, they're entertaining, and they do a great job of capturing something that is highly engaging to that individual audience member, that user that's watching it. They know them well, and it's engaging content. So, So let's talk about the best practices when creating these things. So when creating a video for social media, you gotta do these three things. Okay, she gave us number one, grab attention. She said you have 2.5 seconds to grab them, and that only buys you an additional 2.5 seconds. Save the best for first. Don't bury the lead. Number two, spark an emotion. Make them feel something as they are watching your video. And number three, she said, create a gap. I'm guessing it's a gap that you know how to fill. Now, tackling short form content in your business can feel like, all right, one more thing for us to do, right? We're already spinning so much plates, which I know the past me, you know, I had been critical of it. How necessary is this? Does this really help that much? Well, Hillary addressed just that when she said, if you could only do one thing on social media, I would tell you to post short form content. Literally skip the photos, the live broadcast. Lives take so much time. Even the articles on LinkedIn, skip all other social media endeavors if need be. Ideally, you still engage in all of them. But if need be, if you have to pick one, 
You've got to make time to create the 60 second TikTok video and then use the TikTok first approach to push it out to the other platforms. Again, she said it doesn't work in the reverse. If you create it under sort of the TikTok standards, then you can push it out to platforms like Instagram and Facebook and even LinkedIn. That one surprised me. Look, this edutainment movement, it's not going away. It's becoming even stronger. As someone who has in the past undervalued the role of social media in business, I, I'm absolutely guilty of this. I too was like, meh, but does it really matter? Am I going to inspire people with what time I woke up, my workout routine, when I go to work, how I manage my team? But then I finally learned it's so much more than that. It's connection. It is inspiration. It is about sharing both your insights and your life and business with people you want to work with, that you want to connect with. They're looking for you. And if you're not there, someone will gladly take your place. It also struck me when she said, for certain generations, TikTok surpassed Google and YouTube as the largest search engine. I think she said that happened last year. That blew me away every day your prospects, the people that you'd like to be doing business with, people that you want in your audience and you want in your client database, they're going to TikTok to find answers. And as Hillary said, put content out there that helps people make a better decision, less about selling your product or service, but around making a better decision. That, that was gold. That was really good. Pivoter doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, a real estate agent, or a roofing company, better decisions. No, it's not an ad and it shouldn't have a call to action on the short form content. Just help your ideal client, your avatar, your prospect, whatever language you want to use, but help that person make better decisions and they'll naturally come into your love and arms. This just might be the new way to do business. This is like the computer, the calculator. This might be the new spreadsheet for business. We got to get on board. There is a method to making your videos go viral and they have studied it. What may seem like random at the surface, you might be looking at a video going, a million views? Huh, how about that? Sounds like there's a lot of logic. There's predictability behind it. If you wanna know how, contact attentioneers. Thanks for joining us today and let us know which part of the interview helped you the most. We are very, very focused on adding the most value to you as you listen. Hey, you're spending your time with us and we know how valuable that is. Shoot us a message either at info at pivot-me.com or send us something on social. We would love, not on TikTok, we don't have it yet, but we're about to have it. Stick with us. We received this message from Hillary ourselves and we're about to make a pivot, but send us a message. And let us know what really resonated. Understanding how to serve you best is very important to us, guys. All right. Have an amazing day and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.